This is Banks and Commentary. I'm your host, Candace Banks, and welcome back to the show. So today we're going to be talking to my friend, Miss Sarah Long. Now, Sarah's going to talk to us about how she went from being a trained opera singer to becoming an IT consultant. She details her decision to complete a business master's program and then completely switch careers. She also talks about how her and her husband paid off almost 90 thousand dollars in debt and how she's using her productivity during quarantine to negotiate moving to a city with a much lower cost of living i'm not even gonna hold y'all so let's go ahead and get into the episode treat your credit cards like debit cards pay them off every paycheck never spend more than you have unless it's an emergency if it's an emergency go ahead if it's not you can wait a few days to your paycheck Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Hey, Candice. Good. How are you been? I've been good. What about yourself? What about yourself during this time? Uh, you know, uh, day in, day out. Same, <laughs> same room in my apartment all day. But other than that, it's good. Have you been able to take some walks or something? Yeah, walk around. <laughs> the I get apartment? taken on my walks. No, <laughs> I walk outside. <laughs> That's good. You kind of have to leave periodically when from home for sure for sure um what have you been doing during covid to kind of like stay sane other than you know moving around taking some walks um you know just the constant like telling yourself today's the day you're gonna do an actual workout that just keeps the time moving by yes it <laughs> now, is. i've been watching a lot of like netflix and hulu and stuff that's good. That's good. My roommate hates me because I love Monk and I've seen every episode at least three or four times, but that has been keeping me sane on the weekends to be able to watch the Monk episodes. Always good. Yeah. So you probably get then, some good pointers on pandemic safety for Monk too. Oh, yes. Uh, my, my hand sanity uh, like game is all the way next level because of Monk. I have to, I have to give that to him. He's prepared. Like he's already prepared. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier and you paid off, you and your husband paid off over a little over, excuse me, a little under, there we go, $90,000 in debt in just two years, which is absolutely insane. And I know Sarah personally, and she's really good about her savings. She got her spreadsheet. She is on it, right? Um, so do you mind just telling us a little bit about where your uh, personal finance journey began? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'd have to say for me, it's like when I realized the sheer amount of debt, um, and then it kind of kicked into a higher gear when I started like working a full-time job and we were able to really dedicate resources to starting, I won't say pile that cash up cause we're not doing that yet, but you know, to bring that debt down. <laughs> so just in the past few years. Yeah. You're kind of piling it up, right? I mean, bringing the debt down, you're putting it somewhere, right? So that's good. Yep. Um, so what was your relationship with money growing up? Uh, you, you said you just started with this journey a, a, a couple years ago. So how did that relationship start? Well, I mean, growing up, like my family had plenty of resources. Like my dad, mm -hmm. after he retired from the Navy, worked in some government contracting. I will say like I started working at 16. I worked uh, lifeguarding and teaching swim lessons, kind of saving for college, kind of just like. Ooh, maybe I want to buy lunch out that day. So mm -hmm. not like a huge amount, 
Um, yeah, and then I guess during college, my last year was when I first took out student loans. So that kind of kicked it in a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Just started thinking more about it. That's when I first got a credit card, just things like that, building like the the like the pieces to start working more aggressively after, you know, after I started working full time. That's good. That's good. So you said you, you know, started working at just 16, which is awesome. And you, um, you started saving maybe a little bit for college. So kind of what did that saving look like for you as a 16, 17 and 18 year old? And what did you, what was your financial position while you're in college? Um, not great. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, <laughs> you know, I was working like seven twenty-five an hour, mm -hmm. um, and working around school for the most part. So I didn't get that many hours, but I mean, I was able to save like a decent amount each summer. Cause I worked there as I came home from college and such, That's um, to keep up like pocket money, just like running to Walmart money, um, throughout this, the years of school. Yeah. We love a good Walmart. <laughs> We love a good Walmart. Walmart. Yes, we don't have many, but we love a good Walmart. So uh, how did you earn money and save while you were in college? I know that you said you did a little bit of lifeguarding on the summers, but mm -hmm. that, were there any college jobs that you took to not have to take out student loans until that last year? Yeah, so I will say my parents paid for my first three years That's of awesome. college. Um, and I started waitressing at a restaurant on campus in junior year, which was great because mm. we were closed on weekends. Mm. Um, so I would work typically like Thursday, Friday night shifts. Um, mm. And that was enough to like just keep me on top of my budget those mm. last couple of years. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what advice would you have for someone to like save and also earn money while they're in college. Cause I know a lot of people listening might be college students. So they're like, I need a book. I need Walmart <laughs> wanting to Walmart money. So what advice would you have for them? Hey, honestly, like this is not going to sound that much related, but time management. Mm, because you need to be able to like, for me, I was a music major. So I had lots of rehearsals, lots of practicing that I needed to do as well as studying. Mm -hmm. So I would just say like knowing how much you can handle at a time and also then factor in like a side hustle or part-time job and understand like how to manage your time effectively so that you can get, you keep your grades up and also like make some money on the side and keep yourself afloat in that manner. That's good. That's, I wouldn't have even thought about that as like that correlation between those two. Um, how did you manage your money while you were in college or your time, excuse me, because I know that you, you said you're a music major, uh, you're mm -hmm. super smart. And so how are you able to manage your time there? Uh, um, it was, it was kind of difficult. <laughs> um, the couple, the two years that I did work, like during the school year, I didn't take as many credits. I just took, I think like 17 to 19 per semester during that time. So that was as many 17 to 19. Come on. That's a lot of credits. <laughs> I double majored for like a year and a half. So I was taking uh, 23. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, um, kind of like, I don't know, just like optimizing your study, like figuring mm -hmm. out how you study best. Mm -hmm. um, and always using that. Like if you study best alone, silently in your room, do that. If you can watch friends on repeat while you study, do that. That was me. <laughs> 
Um, and just like, you know, you have to prioritize things, most importantly being your mental health. Like if mm -hmm. you're not the best you can be, you're not going to do your best mm -hmm. pretty much. So like I made time to like, just like go to the gym because that would help me focus on the rest of the time or hang out with friends. That's important too, even if it's mm -hmm. over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Especially during this time, like really being, um, making an effort, a concerted effort to plan out your time and making sure you're implementing those things that you really do love um, and, and make you happy and you work well with is definitely necessary. But correlating that back to your personal finance and, you know, saving and earning money, uh, definitely something that I haven't heard uh, on the podcast just yet. So uh, appreciate you giving that perspective to so you said you had a career in music or you, you majored in music. So um, what made you go uh, the graduate school route um, and the consulting route versus being in, in the music industry in some capacity? Yeah, so I'll start kind of more on the grad school side of that. Um, mm -hmm. So there are a couple, the two main factors I would say is one, um, I was a vocal major, mm -hmm. so I'm a, tra a trained opera singer, mm -hmm. and I have a voice type where I would have to pretty much delay going to graduate school until my voice really matured enough for that type, that level of singing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a factor there. The other main factor for that was that I did not want to spend my whole career auditioning because mm -hmm. auditions are terrible. Performing, great. Like mm -hmm. working with people, great. Auditions, terrible. So mm -hmm. stressful. <laughs> um, especially as a vocalist because you always have to have an accompanist and it's always a different accompanist at different auditions mm -hmm. um, so it just wasn't what I wanted to do personally mm -hmm. um, and then also I was a music industry major and mm -hmm. in my last couple years I took some core business classes mm -hmm. and I just realized that I found them really interesting and I, I started thinking about like pursuing a master's degree then mm -hmm. so that's what led me to the business master's um, mm -hmm. And then from there, like, I'd never really been exposed to the world of consulting before. Um, but we talked to a lot of people, we had a lot of guest speakers come in who were consultants. Um, and I realized that I enjoyed like case study work a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> what I used to say a lot is like, I don't want to work in the same exact office for 40 years, like, mm -hmm. I need some, some way to be able to change what I'm doing periodically. Mm, that's um, good. You know, you get that year-long itch at a job. <laughs> so it seemed like consulting, especially at a big firm, would offer more like change opportunities without having to go through like a full rigorous interview process each time. Mm, that's good. That's good. And that's, you know, that is what I, I'm also in consulting and that's what I, we're, we're coworkers. We used to be at least, but um, <laughs> that's what I actually loved about consulting is that you're constantly learning and you can learn about anything that you want to learn and you can actually mm -hmm. work in that field and learn on the job as well. So um, that's definitely a cool aspect of consulting. If it's something that our listeners are, are considering. <laughs> um, so what advice would you have for someone who is, is maybe considering if going the graduate school route is correct or the right path for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends a lot on your circumstances. I will say that I think there's a lot of people who are in a similar role to me, similar salary amount who did mm -hmm. not go to grad school. 
Mm -hmm. um, whether that's because they did business or technology undergrads and they just use that or like they just applied and got in because I do know other people who have liberal arts backgrounds um, mm -hmm. that are in a similar role. So I would just say it like it really depends on what you think your trajectory is with and without that. Like mm -hmm. knowing what I know now, I might not have needed that master's degree. But at the same time, it did allow me to come into the company at a slightly higher level and get a leg up in that way. So I think one important thing when you're looking at graduate programs is look at the statistics, like what's their average income after school? What's their higher percentage? Because um, those are very important things you might mm -hmm. not think about as much when you're still in a student mindset. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. And also, one, just considering if graduate school is needed, but then also considering, you know, looking at those stats is definitely something that's necessary. Not only what's the salary and also what is the um, kind of job acceptance rate, like how many people actually leave and get jobs and, and then look at those salaries as well. Uh, that's really good. So my question is, uh, looking at the money aspect of things, did you consider the amount of loans you need? or the, even the cost of living of the area where you're looking for school? Yeah, so I like to say in company that it was a calculated risk. And I don't think we really understood the amount of loans even until like after I finished grad school. Because let's be honest, we bought a car while I was in grad school. We didn't have the money for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you wanted your car, so I get, I get it. I get it. But I we'll still talk drive it. Yeah. And I think every time I get it, I love this car, so. And no. <laughs> it's, it's paying off. How about that? And happiness. Yep. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about a calculated risk. Can you, can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about kind of what went into that calculation? Yeah. So um, first off, I looked up the amount of debt we already had. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a year of undergrad and my husband had about the same amount as well in undergraduate loans. Um, and then he'd also purchased a car earlier that year. Um, so we did look at the amount we already had. We considered, you know, how much it looked like I was going to take out for graduate school and those interest rates. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of sat down together and tried to figure out like what those payments would look like and mm -hmm. um, what needed to be like my target income when I left school. Mm -hmm. So I exceeded that target income um, by quite a bit. So that helped a lot, but it was still like we kind of realized like, oh, our estimates were a little off because if I had had that, that target income, it would have been tight. Mm, very tight. Yeah. Gotcha. So. That's good. And, and, you know, taking the time to make that, that take that effort before and, and know exactly what you're getting yourself into is definitely necessary. I definitely didn't take as much time as you all did. I was like, I'm just going to finish this in a year and we will figure it out, <laughs> you know, as we go. So um, definitely taking yep. the effort. Um, so you mentioned your husband. Um, during this time from college to graduate school, you got married in there, right? Yep. <laughs> so do you mind uh, just make, for our listeners, painting that picture of when you got married and kind of how that led into, you know, considering college um, and all of that? Yep. So we met at, uh, at college. Um, the end of my junior year. Mm. Um, so that's when we met. It was like 
I was like, I went to go meet him on our date. And I was like, oh, I'm nervous because one, I'm not used to being able to order drinks in bars yet. And two, <laughs> like I'm meeting this guy. Uh, <laughs> he was sunburned when we met. So he's kind of my lobster in that regard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we continued dating, obviously, um, through my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after my senior year, I moved home to my parents, actually. And we were long distance for a year mm-hmm. um, while I waited to like start grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that was 2016 through summer 2017, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I like I got into grad school. I decided I was going. We decided we did not want to be long distance anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got married and moved up to Arlington, Virginia together. Mm-hmm. And then that was kind of a that was also a risk, maybe calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just had some money saved. We had picked out our apartment mm-hmm. and I was getting loans in and then he had to find a job up here. Um, mm-hmm. But that's when we got married and then I did an 11 month grad, grad program um, before going to work. Gotcha. That's good. So, um, and I'm going back to grad school a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What what uh, made you decide on 11 month program versus maybe a 24 month or a 22 mm-hmm. month program? And how did how did those calculations look? Yeah. So the program I did was is called a master's of science in management. Mm-hmm. I like to call it a watered down MBA because it's essentially the first year of an MBA, mm-hmm. um, but it's specifically targeted to students who do not have a business background. Mm-hmm. So whether your undergraduate was in liberal arts or some form of technology or engineering, that's who they would accept in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were only just a couple like programs like that in the country at the time. I think they've started having more. I haven't really looked recently, mm-hmm. um, but they were all like 11 month programs. Gotcha. So it's kind of just, we did 36 credits in 11 months um, mm-hmm. with four modules. Mm-hmm. So that was it wasn't, there wasn't much of a, of like any sort of financial factor or anything to that. That was just like what the programs were structured as. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. And so um, when you're going back to now marriage, I know you dated your husband um, into your senior year and you did long distance for uh, a year. So did you all, did you and your husband discuss money prior to getting married? Oh, Yes. Yeah, I knew when he'd ordered my engagement ring because he stopped showing me his bank account because <laughs> <laughs> it took a little bit of a hit then. <laughs> yes, I could I could get that, and and maybe he didn't want to see the, like the the retailer in there either. He's <laughs> like, oh crap. <laughs> so what were what were those conversations like, and how did you how did you kind of bring those up? Was it more mm-hmm. natural, or was it like, look, let's talk about credit scores? <laughs> um. A little bit of, well, more natural, I would guess. Um, he had been working in car sales at the time, so he was really learning like mm-hmm. how credit can impact you mm-hmm. by seeing like people come in who they just couldn't get done on a deal because of their credit stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's when he really started thinking about stuff like that. Um, and I had already started thinking about um, credit around that time because you know I I decided to get a credit card and I did a lot of research starting around then. So it was just kind of starting out as Mm -hmm. natural conversations, I guess. And like still all the time, like we talk about finances and money together, like pretty much every day we go on a walk and we pretty much always talk about finances on that walk. Mm -hmm. 
that's good that you all that you all stay connected in that way because a, a mm-hmm. lot of couples you know very are very disconnected when it comes to um when it comes to finances so definitely good and you t- you talked about both you and your husband learning about credit um what were kind of some of the first things you learned and uh, any advice do, that you'd have to someone who's trying to start building their credit during this time if you are looking to start building your credit, I would look into secured credit cards, which is something I didn't learn about till later. Um, but basically with a secured credit card, you kind of, you give like a deposit to the bank and that is your credit limit. Mm-hmm. And then that actually helps you to build your credit. And then eventually you can transfer that into a non-secure credit card, which is a traditional form of credit. Gotcha. So that's tidbit. That's something I didn't learn about till later. So my dad has co-signed on my first credit card still. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, actually, that's like a repressed memory because my first credit card was actually a sh- secure credit card from Navy Federal. And I, I think it was three months or six months where I had to pay on that card and show that I can only use a certain amount of credit. And then after that, the security dropped off and they, they put that limit on my credit card and then it went up from there. But um, yeah, I completely forgot about the secur- secured credit card. So I do appreciate you. you yeah. Know- know about that um and then talking about you know you're married you you're married now but you were dating and then and then your husband your then I guess boyfriend wouldn't show you his bank statements um then he got engaged you got engaged so how did you all uh budget for a wedding yes so my parents were very generous um they had had some money saved so I basically like after we got engaged, I kind of sat down with a spreadsheet and then like went to my parents with an estimate and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And actually they just gave me a check for the amount and I managed it from there. But I did a lot of like, I might've done too much cost cutting, honestly, Mm -hmm. looking back a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of like finding good deals. And for me, it was slightly different situation than I would say a lot of couples because mm-hmm. we were able to use my parents country club without it like a room fee mm, that's which good. makes the whole process a lot a lot cheaper um yes. so I just kind of broke out my I'm gonna be over the top here um uh, my my budgeting uh, wizardry <laughs> broke that out um and then we actually pretty much covered our honeymoon with the wedding funds as well because my parents wouldn't take it back <laughs> That's nice. And that's nice to have parents who had, have saved for that and were able to do that for you. But mm-hmm. also nice to be a wizard with the budget and be able to, to, to cut things out there. So what were some things that you kind of saved or cut on that, you know, mm-hmm. you still had a good wedding that you're proud of, but were able to save a little bit of extra bucks on? Hey y'all, so this is Candace, and I had to interrupt today's episode because I need a favor from you all. So essentially, we want to get Banks and Commentary to 500 total downloads before the end of season one. Now to do this, I need you all's help. So go ahead and make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, you share the podcast with your mama and Niam, and you go ahead and download the podcast. The other thing that will help us out so much is if you leave us a review or you leave us a rating. Anything is helpful for us so that we can know how to improve the podcast for you all, our listeners. Okay, let's go ahead and get back into the episode. Yeah, so I think with it, the main thing I would say is that there is like 
an un- unspoken wedding tax. Mm. So if you're going, if you're talking to vendors who wouldn't like specifically be involved on day of, do not tell them it's a wedding. Tell them mm. it's a party. Mm. Also, there is no shame in getting your wedding cake from Walmart because it will look nice <laughs> and it is delicious. Yes. And then, so, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, there's nowhere to put all that cake anyway. And you don't want to mm-hmm. make yourself chunky by eating it. So. <laughs> It was so funny when we went wedding dress shopping, my mom and my sisters and I went mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I like these off the clearance rack and then these off the non-clearance rack, mm-hmm. right? And I start with the clearance rack uh-huh. and I think I only tried on like three dresses. I was like, this is it. We're going to Olive Garden now. And everyone was like, <laughs> aren't you going to try on the rest? And it's like, no, this one's marked down to a hundred dollars. That one is wow. $800. I don't need to try it on. That is, wait, first of all, I don't even think my prom dress cost $100. How the heck were you able to get that for that bit of a price? Uh, David's Bridal Sales. It was marked down from like $5.99, I think, to $99. Wow. And it didn't need any alterations or anything, so that was good. The underskirt was actually more expensive. Wow. That was like $200. (laughs) Wow. That's a good deal. I know people who spend like at least, you know, a couple grand on their wedding dress. So Ridiculous, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome, Sarah. All right. So um, what was the process? You know, now we're after the wedding, we're after the honeymoon. So what was the process like for you all to combine um, finances? Yes, it was actually very smooth. Really? Um, mm-hmm. So we both actually closed our existing accounts and commingled into a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, because neither of us really liked our banks. Mm-hmm. And then the bank that we did settle on has like a really cool feature of like um, a really good calendar in the banking app, as well as like saving envelopes. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's we were cool. able to like, just be very clear about like, this is being saved for this. So it's not touched. And like the calendar would be very helpful. Like this is how much you have free until your next like paycheck or whatever is coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to budget more smoothly that way. Gotcha. Um, looked out. If you don't mind sharing, um, which bank do you currently bank with that has those features? Yeah. So that's PNC bank. And we gotcha. also use ally, which has some similar functionality. Yeah. The buckets. I have ally mm-hmm. as well. The buckets are definitely helpful. And then yeah, just yep. being able to put that money away, not touch it, not see it is definitely mm-hmm. super helpful as well. Um, so then when you, you also combine fi- finances, but you also combine debt. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how, how did that process look? And then I know you said about two years ago, y'all really started to make an effort toward mm-hmm. paying down that debt. So how did that um, repayment plan for you all uh, then look? I will say that's probably the most we've argued about finances. <laughs> really? I was very adamant about like, this loan costs us more per year. Start here. And he wanted to do more of like a snowball method. Gotcha. gotcha. So we kind of ended up on like a modified of each approach mm-hmm. where um, we did ultimately decide to pay off his car first because it had the lowest payment. Mm-hmm. And then we rolled that into the next one. And I like to joke that it looked like our payoff strategy at first was him like inching towards divorcing me because we put <laughs> all his stuff first. <laughs> it just worked out that way, you know, but yeah. we paid off his car and then his student loan. Mm-hmm. And then we started working on the ones in my name. I'm like right. ah. side eye a little bit there. <laughs> hey, but y'all are but still yeah. together. <laughs> yep. 
good and all we have left is in my name so i guess we're good yeah yeah but yeah and then we kind of once we got into the bigger loans were my graduate loans then we started attacking it more in like the way i wanted to go which was the how much does it cost us per year gotcha so it looked like first y'all started with the snowball then went to the the paying off the debt with the highest interest pretty much that right Okay. And the way that that happened actually was because the way my federal loans are structured mm-hmm. with the income-based repayment plan, it wouldn't mm-hmm. impact the payment amount if we paid off one more like earlier. Mm, so that's, that's why we decided just to go with the highest interest rate then because it mm-hmm. wouldn't affect the payment overall. Gotcha. Okay. And do you mind explaining for people who might not know what the snowball method is? Yeah. So the snowball method is... and. I'm not sure if if technically this is correct, but from my understanding, it's like you start with the lowest amount that you own. Oh, so if you have a small loan or a small uh, credit card debt, you would start mm-hmm. by paying off that one aggressively. And then when that's done, you do not spend that money. Mm-hmm. Simply take that and start throwing it at the next smallest debt until mm-hmm. you've started paying like a lot every month towards like one loan at a time, but going mm. in like a snowball. Gotcha. Not the best explanation. Yeah. Abraham could explain it better. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that, that, that sums it up and simplifies it um, the best that we can. So that was good. So you said you started, you know, with uh, your husband's loans and then you mm-hmm. went into now your graduate school loans. So what advice do you have for someone who may have debt and is now trying to think of the best way to save and pay off that debt? Uh, the best way to save and pay off your debt is get married to another responsible human being. <laughs> but yes, though. Dink life. Yes. Um, yeah. So we are able to do like, um, we live off of my income and also save and put money towards debt for my income. Mm-hmm. And then all of my husband's income goes to debt or whatever our goal is at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, there's no getting around like two income is the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. And then also, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say beyond that is like, make sure you're living below your means. Don't lifestyle creep Mm. and budget. Yes, budget, budget, budget. And also, were you all investing or are you all investing while you're also paying down debt? So, yes, um, somewhat. So what we do is we make sure that we're getting the maximum match from our employers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a 6% match and my husband gets a 4% match. So we mm-hmm. always meet those. That's like the baseline. I think I contribute 7% mm-hmm. um, to a mix of 401k and Roth 401k. Um, that's good. So I think that's where we're going to stay for a while mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. rate. Um, mm-hmm. And then my husband has like some fun money accounts on <laughs> Evil and whatever else Fidelity that he messes with too. Yes. Weevil. <laughs> Get two free stocks of Weevil if you use the link in the description. <laughs> the link down below. Hey, if you all know what I'm talking about, that's good old Grand Stefan. We uh Sarah Sarah's husband and I love love us some grants. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so we, we we talk on that. Um so <laughs> while you're paying down debt, while you're also making sure you're investing and getting those matches, um how did you stay motivated to stick to this debt repayment plan? Yes. So 
I would point to one of our spreadsheets the most, and that is our net worth spreadsheet. Mm. So we started that actually a year ago today. Mm-hmm. And when we started wow. that, we were at negative 46,000 net worth. Mm-hmm. And today we're at like positive 48,000 net worth. Yeah. So we had to do it again today because it's exactly a year. Wow. That's <laughs> so awesome. Just that. And like, I know, like, I don't know how to explain it. I just like, I have plenty of money for the things that I want to do without sacrificing mm. my financial goals. That's good. That's good. And, and part of that came from, you know, being disciplined from college and then also taking those calculated risks, not just, you know, free ball in it, but taking those calculated <laughs> risks um, early on in like your career and your twenties to be able to be at a point where you're paying down debt, you're able to invest and you also, you have money to, you know, live a comfortable life, which is awesome, which is awesome. And you have a positive net worth, 48,000. Yes. (laughs) It was so exciting. The summer when we hit that zero mark, it's like, we're worth nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome though. Um, So how did you incorporate maybe those small trips and treats into your budget and your aggressive debt pay down? Yep. The answer to that is budgeting and sinking funds. So we heavily utilize sinking funds. So in my like budget sheet that I sit down and I do every paycheck, every one of my paychecks. So twice a month, we have not only like estimates of like, this is how much groceries will be. This is how much you need for laundry and gas and whatever else. Mm -hmm. We also allocate a lot, a certain amount to short term savings, which is then spread across lots of different sinking funds. Mm-hmm. So say I do 200 a paycheck and I split it across like seven or eight different funds. Mm-hmm. So we're always saving a little bit. So any unexpected, well, I guess I should back up a little bit. We already had our emergency fund funded. Mm-hmm. So everything else was short term savings. Gotcha. Um, so like if we wanted to save more aggressively for a trip, mm-hmm. I would just divert a little bit of cash each paycheck from debt repayment to a savings fund for that trip. That's good. That's so good. I will say it's like a great feeling to know you're on vacation and a paycheck comes in and you send it right out to debt. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you have the ability to do that, the freedom to do that. That's awesome. And so do you mind explaining what sinking funds are? Yeah. So like a sinking fund is like a short, well, short, I guess it could be long-term as well, like car maintenance maybe. You don't know when you're going to need it, mm. but you're continually saving small amounts so that when an expense does come out, come up, you don't have to panic. You don't have to pull it out of your emergency fund. You just pull it out of that sinking fund there. So I have them for like, let's say birthdays. We tried to be really good this year about sending birthday presents or gift cards mm-hmm. at least to family. Um, and then I have one for like household items, clothes, contact lenses, car maintenance, stuff like that, property taxes. Yeah. Things that we know are going to come up. We don't know when. Gotcha. That's good. And that's a good habit to be in too. just not only having your emergency funds for things that you don't know are going to come up and you don't know when they're going to come up. Right. And also having some funds for things that you know are going to come up, but don't know exactly when they're going to come. So that's definitely, that's definitely an awesome strategy to have. And using your PNC bank and ally, Mm -hmm. you're able to use those envelopes and those buckets to be able to create those things. 
So that is awesome. So going off of that, what are some small things that really helped you all save more money um, and, and pay off debt? We know that you're talking about your envelopes and your buckets, but also making sure that you're very um, thorough with your budgets. But are there some things that you notice, oh, maybe if I take away this or do this, um, it'll help me save money and I can put that toward debt? Yeah, so I will say that we, or at least I, don't do that as much. My husband sometimes will be like, do I want to get that lunch out or should I just like save that money? Yeah. I'm not like that. I have an obsessive <laughs> personality. If I decide pizza sounds good, I'm going to get pizza. Um, but I do. Wise guys. <laughs> I plan for that. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I know strategies to do that that I've never mm-hmm. had to implement. I'm like, okay, worst comes to worst. We both somehow lose our jobs. Mm-hmm. run through our emergency fund, haven't even found a part-time job. I could do beans and rice, you know? Yes. Yes. But that's not something that I personally have ever had to do much. Mm-hmm. I do right. know that like when I was working in high school, making seven twenty-five, I would sometimes look at like, like something I thought about buying and calculate how many hours it was worth. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I've been there, but <laughs> yeah, not really where... feel like I need to cut down on anything right now. That's good. And and part of, you know, this financial journey is also not making your mis- yourself miserable throughout the process, right? Exactly. So being able to live a frugal lifestyle, being able to budget for the things that you need and being on that track has allowed you to say, okay, if I want to eat sweet green today, if I want to <laughs> eat wise guys today, I can because I've allocated this money toward those things. So have being concerned about that is definitely, definitely awesome. Um, so we're actually coming up now on our last two questions. Okay. So before we get to our two questions, do you have anything else that you want to add for the people? Yeah, I think the most important thing that I've kept in my mind, like over the past couple of years, especially is like, you don't need to lifestyle creep. Mm. You are happy where you were. <laughs> like mm. we have not we have not moved apartments since we were, you know, struggling through grad school. Like our apartment is so cheap for this area. We still live here. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that we gave notice yesterday, but <laughs> the point stands <laughs> yeah. that like we haven't jumped up to like a two grand apartment or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most, one of the most important things to keep in the back of your mind is like upgrade things that are important to you. Mm-hmm. But if you are comfortable where you are, like just put that money away. Mm, that's good. That's good. And then you said invo- avoid that life, that lifestyle creep. So it's so hard. It's like, Oh, I want a new car. <laughs> but it's like, ah, this one's paid off. You know, you don't need, you don't need it. You don't need it. Um, so right. that's definitely awesome. And so like when you get raises and when you get bonuses, what do you usually do instead of lifestyle mm-hmm. creep? You say you put it away. Um, how do you make sure that you're actually putting that stuff, that money away? So for bonuses, mm-hmm. bump up your 401k contribution. Yes. Reduce your taxable income. Let it grow compound interest. Yes. Um, so that's what we try to do. Um, my husband gets uh, quarterly commission checks. Mm-hmm. So he usually bumps it up pretty high. I think he had one that was at 75% wow. um, deposited to his 401k. Wow. So that's awesome. That um, and then like when like I just – got a raise. Um, and so what I'll do once it starts coming in yeah, <laughs> is I'll adjust my budget 
uh-huh. and I won't really change living costs. What I will mm-hmm. do is I might add a little more to savings for trips, mm-hmm. but for the most part, what I'm going to do is allocate pretty much all of it to also be sent to debt or to savings, whatever our goal is. That's good. So if you don't see it, you can't spend it, right? Right, right. And then I do have a couple more questions before we get to the closing ones. So you said put the money toward debt or mm-hmm. savings, whatever your goal is. So mm-hmm. how, in, with, the, with the new year, you know, upon us, or maybe when this episode airs, it'll already be the new year. Um, <laughs> how do you all go about goal setting uh, financially for the next year? So I think actually last year we sat down and was like, this is my top goal. We each wrote mm-hmm. out like our five goals of mm-hmm. what we wanted to do financially in the next year. And actually mm-hmm. I think four out of five of ours each matched. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but for the past couple of years, we've been like hyper focused on debt. Like we've sent 54 or 56% of our take home to debt every month. Wow. Um, that's good. Right now we're actually shifting that because we're about to move cities. Ooh. Um, so we, yeah. Uh-huh. We're going to move to down to Richmond um, and rent a house. Yeah. I'm like party in the background because this is something we've talked about. So I have, this is news to me. Oh my God. (laughs) It all just became official recently. I went through an HR process to Mm -hmm. go fully remote with my current role at work. Awesome. So we'll be looking, currently looking to rent a house in Richmond. If anybody has a house to rent in (laughs) Richmond that allows dogs, let me know. Um, ah, a dog t- guys okay so y'all are getting the tea just like i'm getting to the tea <laughs> we've been talking about this but i guess it's all official now okay keep going keep going go. yeah so uh, i'm anticipating our expenses are going to go up a little bit but not much mm-hmm. for way more space mm-hmm. um and then so we've shifted we like all right we have a manageable amount of debt left like mm-hmm. this is the opportunity to move mm-hmm. and keep my dc salary um, and not have to look for a job. Yes. So then I think we'll just be stockpiling cash as we've just started doing now. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be looking to buy. So we've definitely shifted a little bit in that regard. For sure. That is awesome, Sarah. That is awesome. Okay. So, uh, now I have more questions. Uh, (laughs) so what, what was the, the main thing that said, okay, let's do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also, how are you able to do the remote uh, opportunity with your job? Yep. So it was kind of just like, you know, I I hardly ever leave the apartment now Mm -hmm. and we don't have a very large space. Mm -hmm. So I've been getting progressively more and more stir crazy Mm -hmm. throughout the summer, especially. And now that Mm -hmm. it's getting cold and the gyms are, well, they're not closed, I guess, but but I don't, I cancel my membership. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right, I need more space. Like I need a little dog. Um, So we just decided like this is a good time to leverage like you know I've been working from home since March and not only have done well in my role but also grown a lot in my role in that time so That's I good. just approached my manager about it and then like with my company our company mm-hmm. it was just a it was actually a very easy request process to go through because my home office will not change mm-hmm. I simply have like a an exception to the contract of how far we're permitted to live from the home office. That's good. So that's good. You know, it was just the time it's like, all right, I can leverage the fact that I'm already working from home efficiently um, Mm -hmm. and use that to my advantage. So I did. Uh, And I'm going to be taking, taking this 
and going back and thinking about it too. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and that also goes to show, I think during this time, a lot of people who are working jobs that are now remote are seeing mm-hmm. that, hey, the cost of living from New York, from DC, from LA is significantly higher than if I lived at home or if I did this Mm -hmm. or if I did that. So to be in a position where you can request to work remotely and keep your same salary in the area that you're working uh, is geographic arbitrage, essentially, (laughs) where you can go and you can make the same amount of money you would, but it's Mm -hmm. significantly lower cost of living. So that is a great financial move for you all. And it's going to allow you all to buy that really nice home that's going to appreciate and also get that, that little puppy that you want. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So, uh, getting into our last two questions that Mm -hmm. we ask everyone in the show, what is the best financial advice that you never received? I was thinking about this one earlier today and trying to come up with a good snappy answer. (laughs) Um, and then work got busy. Uh, (laughs) I don't think anyone really talked to me about this. Treat your credit cards like debit cards. Mm. Pay them off every paycheck. Never spend more than you have. Mm. Unless it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, go ahead. If mm-hmm. it's not, you can wait a few days to get a paycheck. Yeah, um, that's good. So I don't think that's original, but that is what has done us the best over the years. Yeah. That's so good. And also when, when treating your credit card like a debit card, not only paying it off, don't spend more than you have, but also doing it that way, you can take advantage of some of those points mm-hmm. <laughs> and making sure that not only are you getting what you need, but you're also getting a little bit of cash back or a little bit of yep. travel rewards or what have you. So um, definitely a strategy that I use. I pay everything on my credit mm-hmm. card and I pay it off at the end of the month. But <laughs> I love that. I love that. We haven't had that on the show yet, that, that advice. Yeah. So cool. in closing, and I think you gave a little bit of this, but what's next for you? Yes. Next for us is saving for a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess we'll see when we get there, like probably do a low percentage down mm-hmm. to keep a healthy emergency fund mm-hmm. and then probably start throwing cash at our loans again. That's awesome. That's awesome, That's Sarah. Fine. I'm so <laughs> happy for you. Um, <laughs> you you guys, we went from taking, you know, 5 a.m. calls in the morning oh. to now being on a podcast, talking with each other about money, mm-hmm. having positive networks and, and move, a move to Richmond because. Oh my God. <laughs> it's but, not quite 757, but you know, close get in there. Enough, yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been such a great show, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Yo, what's up here? It's Candace, and you know I got those top 10 tips for you all. Top 10 tips. Say that three times fast. All right, so let's go ahead and get into them. The first one is to get a job early and work in the summers while in college. The second is to understand time management early on so you know how to manage your adult self. The third is take care of your mental health while taking on more responsibilities. The fourth is switch trajectories if you find something just doesn't work for you. The fifth is to understand your personality and pick a field and job that suits your personality. 
The six is if you're looking at grad programs, look at each school's statistics for both job acceptances and the salaries of their postgraduates. The seven is to consider if grad school is even necessary for you. The eighth is take calculated risk. The ninth is to get a secured credit card if you want to start building your credit. And the tenth and final tip for today is to use your credit card like a debit card. Now remember, this one takes a lot of discipline, so make sure you're paying off your card at the end of every single month. All right, y'all. So that wraps up our episode for today. Remember that we are saving, investing, and living our best lives over here with Banks and Commentary. Don't forget to go ahead and share, subscribe, or leave a rating for the podcast. And we'll see you next week. Let's get it.